Hi there. Welcome to Splinters. This is Gary Rogowski. Today's chat is called Slack. Here's a quote from a wonderful book by John Muir, How to Keep Your Volkswagen Alive. It was my Bible for years. I was constantly looking at that book. I still have it. Grimy, all, you know, fingerprinted with with oil and grease. This is what he says. Your Volkswagen is not a donkey, but the communication considerations are similar. While the levels of logic of the human entity are many and varied, your car operates on one simple level, and it's up to you to understand its trip. Talk to the car, then shut up and listen. Feel with your car. Use all of your receptive senses. And when you find out what it needs, seek the operation out and perform it with love. Well, it's an interesting quote. It's not too far off from the one expressed in in Persick's, Robert Persick's classic, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Yes, we are on a wrenching uh, theme today. And the quote goes something like this, to work on Japanese motorbike require great peace of mind. Came out of some manual as he was working, uh, or maybe it was his buddy who was working on on a motorcycle. Great peace of mind. That's it, though. You'll go nuts if you have expectations that do not match the reality of your situation. John Muir's lovely quote from his wonderful book was clearly written from the calm perspective of a seasoned and knowledgeable veteran of the wrench wars. This brings to mind the wonderful quote attributed to everybody but Ben Franklin. Nevertheless, they are words worth heeding. Good judgment is the result of experience. Experience is the result of bad judgment. Such a true statement. I love it. And so Muir could write about his Zen approach to working on that German cracker of a car because he had busted enough knuckles on them that he finally understood them inside and out. The mysteries had been revealed to him. And now with his understanding firmly in place, it was simply problem-solving that needed to be done. Most of the head scratches had been rutted into place already along with a lot of blood offerings to the wrench gods. Now it was simply a matter of interpreting the signs correctly and performing the correct techniques. You'd look at it, you'd see what it was exhibiting, what were the symptoms, and then you'd fix it. You knew exactly those were the symptoms. I would like to think that the same is true with my own experience, but I find that it is like I am two different people sometimes. Well, in truth, probably more than that, but two at least when it comes to understanding and writing about the value of calm and peace when trying to work through a problem. I understand. I fathom the need for forgiveness and patience when up against that most difficult opponent that I face in the shop, that is, myself. Winning a struggle, however, with a difficult and uncompromising, a stubborn, a stupid computer program that won't let me do what I wanted to do, and it only says no to my efforts, just no. doesn't help me, just says no. I find myself oftentimes engulfed in a passion of frustration, a bone-gnashing passion. However good this may be for my expanding vocabulary of swear words and how I use them and put them together in sentences, it does not a thing to solve the problem. How can I understand the solution to my frustration and be so set on ignoring my own advice? I'm not alone in this. I had one student in the mastery program, and he was good. He made it to a second term, and he built a low bench that I would have been proud to have had in my own portfolio. It was a beauty. But 
something about it felt wrong to him. And with all his pieces, they weren't perfect. He left class, he dropped out because he wasn't good enough, he thought. He couldn't reach his own impossible standards. Perfection killed him. Once, uh, long ago, I was working on something, and I had a little leatherhead mallet that uh, had been my dad's, and I'd, I used it, and we shared this at least together. But I was on my knees one day working on something, trying to put something together. I don't remember what it was, and it screwed up on me. Something went wrong, or I did something wrong. I hadn't thought it through, and it destroyed itself in front of my eyes into a pile on the floor. And I got so mad, I picked up this ash-handled mallet, this mallet of my dad's, and I slammed it into my bench. I can show you the dent mark. I tried to, to smash it into smithereens. I felt so frustrated my, by my inabilities, but I blamed the mallet instead. It did not break. The mallet, perhaps in a little bit of a pathetic fallacy here, the mallet said, I won't break. And I will be a reminder to you of your desires and anger and futile railing against the world when it is your own stupidity that causes you your woe. I did not break the mallet. I can't say why to this day it did not break. It should have broken. There's a very tiny little split in it. Maybe it was already there, but that dang thing held. But at least in woodworking or car mechanics, failure will lead one to ponder alternatives, a new tool perhaps. Maybe I just need to Hold the pieces better, or get a new grip or a stance. A clever patch might work to cover my error. With computers, though, it's like driving a car with the windshield blacked out. I'm motoring along, and then I hit something. I hit a wall. What do I do? I back up, I try again. I don't know what's in front of me. I just hit a wall. I can only see where I've been, and I can't see up ahead as to what I should try. This is what's so frustrating to me about these yes-no machines, these computers. How do I bust a knuckle on a computer screen so I can learn? I make a boo-boo at the studio, and I know enough to put my tools down now. Now, at last, I've learned. I put my tools down, and I walk away. That giant problem that has taken up most of the available air in my, my studio, I just walk away from. I take a little walk outside if the problem is large, and I go all the way around the block if it is very, very large. And by the time I get back, it's shrunk to its normal size. Anyway, I, st I still need to practice this. I have to keep getting better at this. There is no joy in throwing a tool or getting frustrated with myself. I don't throw things anymore. But I've thought about picking up a computer and tossing it. and That does seem to improve my mood a little when I visualize it. What I need to do... I realize, is to cut myself and my ignorance some slack. Now, slack in a rope is an actual thing. It is the lack of tension, the lessening of force, the easing of a pull on its end. So this means just as much. Cut me some slack means lighten up on me when I lack understanding. Take it easy on me when I'm doing something wrong. It, of course, is not as easy as my standards are ridiculous. Perfection for most things and excellence for everything else cannot stand to do a poor job, and I'm not that good at so many things. It's just these standards that I carry around with me. They, uh, they weigh me down sometimes. But what if? Consider this. So there's this great book by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. I've learned to pronounce his name. Called Flow. And he talks about various groups of folks who can in engage in an activity and reach a different, 
I will use the word almost transcendent state. Basketball players, uh, ballerinas, uh, cooks, whatever. But everyone who's engaged deeply in their craft, in their art, will have a moment when they, they are just in the flow of things and time disappears and they've got it. He seems to believe that some of this just simply comes down to cutting ourselves some slack and reciting a different message about our state of the union. What if we act as if things are all right? Even in a messed up world, we just act as if things are okay. This change in attitude can make a difference, he says. And isn't it better than throwing stuff at the floor? Which, you know, breaks something else. So he, he argues for a change of attitude in the face with our failings and, and then quotes Bertrand Russell, the uh, philosopher, who learned to ignore the sounds and plaintive wails of his other self. He said, I learned to be indifferent to myself and my deficiencies. If only, I say, but it's worth a try. Next time I feel the need to castigate myself for my stupidities, I need to remind myself instead, cut me some slack. Don't take yourself so damn seriously. I'll let you know how it goes. Thanks very much for listening. This has been Gary Rogowski for Splinters. Please check out coffee.com, K-O-F-I.com, and write me a question. Lend me a little support. I would appreciate it. Please leave a uh, review on your favorite podcasting service of this uh, podcast. I would appreciate it. And please check out our website, northwestwoodworking.com. We'll have some online lectures coming up in March. And then in April, we'll be launching some new hands-on classes. I'm calling them build-along sessions. And those, those are going to be fun. So check out our website, northwestwoodworking.com. Take care of yourself out there. Bye-bye. Thank you.